0: This is a WTOP original podcast.
1: Welcome to another episode of The Vine Guy. I'm your host, Scott Greenberg. And today, I have the pleasure of having a good friend, Lisa Mattson, who's the Director of Marketing and Communications at Jordan Vineyard and Winery. Now, Lisa has worked in the wine industry for almost two decades, honing her skills in writing, event planning, public relations, marketing, blogging, social media, and creative strategy. Now, after joining Jordan in 2009, she became known as a thought leader, in video storytelling, social media, digital marketing, for luxury wines. She created Jordan Winery's award-winning videos and dynamic blogs, The Journey of Jordan and Wine Country Table. Her annual Halloween parties are legendary throughout the land. She's smiling right now because she knows it's true. Today, she acts as marketing director, head publicist, chief copywriter, interior designer, and serves as executive editor of Jordan's annual magazine, wine country table. Now, prior to joining Jordan, she worked in public relations and event marketing for a wine importer, a corporate wine company, and two wine distributors. Here's my favorite part. She graduated magna cum laude from Florida International University in 1997, and she serves as a new editor of a wine magazine for four years after college. Her memoir, and I love this, and I actually read it, Lisa, The X's in My Glass, How I Refined My Taste in Men and Alcohol, was published in 2016, and she donates book sales proceeds to Sonoma Family Meal, a nonprofit born in the aftermath of the wine country firestorm of 2017. Lisa, welcome to the podcast.
0: Thank you, Scott. It's great to be here.
1: Oh, it's so good to see you. It's uh, been, what, two or three years since we last got together, and I think we've probably known each other at least 10 years You've been so good to me early on in my career as a, as a writer, and I just want to say thank you for that. But I'm reading all of this history behind you, particularly, you know, you, you came out of uh, Florida, International University in, in 97, and then I assumed, did you just go straight into the wine business right after college?
0: I actually started in the wine business before I graduated from college. I had this idea that it was like really important to get your internship on your resume, um, because I wanted to move to California and work in public relations for a winery, so um, I, t- I got my internship with the Cellar Club at the Biltmore Hotel. That was my senior year of college. Okay. That was kind of like my first wine job, besides serving wine at a restaurant um, as a server. But you know, the wine world of fine dining wasn't the same in the '90s as it is today. So it wasn't—it was not a white tablecloth restaurant. But I did get to serve some wine with with corks. And uh, and then when I when I worked at the, the Seller Club, I was helping the executive director Yvonne Roberts plan events and and those types of things and help with public relations. And then I moved and then I met the publishers of the Wine News magazine, Tom and Elizabeth Smith, um, through Yvonne because their offices were at the Biltmore Hotel in Coral Gables, Florida. And so that's. They knew I had a journalism background. I studied journalism before public relations, so they hired me on as a news editor. So I worked there part-time since it's a bi-monthly, and then also uh, bartended and rated tables until it came time to go work for a distributor in Florida because I wasn't quite ready to make the big move to California yet. And I did that in 2001 is when I moved to California.
1: Well, I have to say, Lisa, you look like you absolutely fit into the image of a California girl with the blonde hair and blue eyes and dazzling smile. Uh, Um,
0: I'm from, I'm from Southeast Kansas. So, but (laughs) I I do take it as a compliment. It it does feel natural being here. And I've been in, you know, in California for this will be 20 years. And uh, it's, it's been a great, great ride. I love it out here.
1: Well, you are the epitome of what the beach boys sing about. Um, So here you are in college Evidently, you got bit by the wine bug. I ask all of my guests this question. Was there a particular wine that you had an aha moment? You you, you had a sip of something and you went, all right, that's it. That's what I want to do.
0: Uh, well, I have one wine that will probably surprise people as like a Aha moment! I'd say I like to say I have an aha moment. I had an I have arrived moment of, in wine, and so my aha moment was when I enrolled in a wine class at Florida International University. Like people may say, how do somebody in South Florida end up, you know, being a marketing executive out in wine country? And a lot of people don't know about Florida International's wine program, um, which was um, created by Chip Cassidy, my mentor. Uh, he sadly he passed away a year and a half ago. But uh, his programs that he created, you know, he was just an amazing educator. So many people in the industry know him and loved him. And he had this class that was called Wine Technology 101 that taught you about wine. And I enrolled in it because I wanted to minor in hospitality management. That's what Florida International is known for is that, is that program. And uh, the first day of class, he took grapes. And he like gave you red grape in one hand and a white grape in the other and had you squeeze them. So you could see on this little piece of uh, paper towel, like the, the juice come out and it's all, it's always white. It's always clear. And so it was like teaching you the difference of like tannins and red wines and skins and how all that happens. And then the first wine that he gave us was to try was a Lindemann's bin 65 Chardonnay. And um, that was the first time that I'd ever tasted a wine. That was made with oak, of course, it was made with chips of oak, not with oak barrels. But it was teaching, he was teaching us about Chardonnay and the influence that barrels can have on Chardonnay from a flavor perspective. And so for me, I always come back to that wine as like, it was an educational aha moment. It, you know, probably wasn't a sensory aha moment, but I was just like, wow, that's, um, I want to be in this business. You know, from there, I'd say my favorite wine then became like Taval Rosé that I had in his class. I still love like Chateau de Caria um, Rosé from the Rhone. But my I Have Arrived wine was in 2000 and 2006. So it was around the time you and I started emailing. I think it was the late 2000s that we met um, I was asked for Wilson Daniels, the wine importer that I work for, to represent the company at an importer's conference in Paris for um, Champagne Salon and uh, Delamotte uh, that we represented at the time. And so we we went on a riverboat cruise down the Seine. Um, I was seated next to the director of Chateau Latour, who's on my right, and the wine uh, that they served with the main course was a 1990 uh, Chateau Latour. And it was a remarkable wine. And I just remember just, you know, you know, smelling that Bordeaux and tasting it and talking, looking around at all these people of the world, these wine, you know, wine sales executives and marketing executives chatting and having this amazing dinner and being like, wow, like. This, you know, the best decision I ever made in my life was taking that wine class back in, you know, 1996 and drinking Lindemann's Ben 65.
1: And yeah, and 10 years later, you're drinking 90 Latour, which, by the way, is a stunning wine and perfect for what such an exceptional experience that you had.
0: Absolutely. That's great.
1: And then fast forward, how did you end up at Jordan? Another, by the way, exceptional winery, uh, which you know I think kind of you know, is a little bit of the Bordeaux of uh, you know California.
0: True, true. So in two thousand and nine, I um, right around the time that the that Bear Stearns collapsed and we went into we're going straight for a recession. You know, I was working for a very high end um, wine importer. We represented Domaine de la Romanée Romana, Conti, uh, Domaine Fleuve, uh, just many, many great producers. Of the wow, world.
1: my bottle must have gotten lost in the veil. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, there was there was there was not a sampling program for that. Um, but anyway, it was it was an amazing experience, and I worked with so many amazing people um, that I still consider great friends. And uh, when that market collapse happened, you know, our business changed, and a lot of the fun things that I get to got to do in my job went away because there, there was no funding for that. And it happened at a time when my husband and I had been together for three and a half, four years. We had actually never lived and worked in the same county. We were always commuting, I to Napa, him to Sonoma. We lived in Lake County at one point together. And it was just like kind of that timing of like, I think we'd just like to all live and work in the same town. I, we got a new place in Sonoma County. He was working in Sonoma. And so I wanted to get back to Sonoma County. I mean, it is it is a place that I've always been tied to. It's a little more rural and, you know, less glitzy in some ways than Napa Valley. Um, I like the farming aspect here. We grow a lot of the food that they serve in the restaurants over there. Um, so there's even more farming over here. So um, I, I just looked up online, found the Jordan job. It was uh, confidential, but it said, they, I didn't know who the winery was, but it said luxury producer in Hillsburg, And I was like, well, it's either Jordan or Jay or Lancaster. Um, and then it being Jordan. And I met John and we hit it off. We're around the same age. Um, he has a sister my age, I have a brother about his age. And we just had a really good kind of meeting of the minds of what he wanted to do with Jordan in terms of taking a very established brand and transitioning it through the next generation, changing how they tell their story in the a more vivid and um, visual way and unfiltered way. And I wanted to be a part of that. And so I've, I've been here now for this fall will be 12 years for me, which is the longest I've ever worked anywhere. I'm usually like three to five years and move on to the next challenge. but. It's just been a blast and, uh, we're a really tight knit family and it's, it's been a fun place to work and, and watch it, watch it evolve, even though our wines are still the same, you know, traditional French inspired house style, like you said, but it, it certainly suited my personal palette because of my work with French wines. I love, I love, uh, elegance in my wine. I'm not a big powerhouse fan. So Jordan suits me well.
1: Well, they are lucky to have you, and I i would be remiss. I have to read this, Lisa. I'm going to embarrass you a little bit, okay? I hope you don't mind. But under Lisa's leadership, the Journey of Jordan and its videos have won four Wine Blog Awards, Best Wine-Themed Videos at the 2015 Born Digital Wine Awards, Best Music Video at the 2016 International Wine Film Festival and, quote, Films That Made Us Think, end quote, at the 2017 Windsor International Film Festival, Lisa. And Miss Mattson was named Winery Chief Marketing Officer of the Year in 2015 by the North Bay Business Journal Wine Industry Awards. So you've done a lot more than uh, just be part of the campaign at jordan you are the campaign at jordan so i i just have to say that is just incredibly remarkable now you've also added decorator to your resume lately and i know that let's see jordan's getting ready to reopen may 1st been closed a little bit been pretty uh, involved in both the decorating and the the gardening and farming projects what's going on there
0: Yes. So we decided when um, we had to close for the pandemic, uh, John Jordan just said, let's just use the opportunity to reinvest. And um, there were investments that he wanted to make in the winery that he was thinking maybe, you know, three years from now. But when you don't have as many customers here, especially the customers traveling in that would stay overnight in our guest suites, he just decided to, uh, even though, you know, our business was, Struggling. I mean, we're a restaurant focused wine before the pandemic. 75% of our wine was sold in restaurants. And so, um, you know, that's just really great of his foresight to say, you know what? I'm still going to, even though there's less money coming in, things are changing a little bit. I'm going to make that investment. So we started off by closing down. Of course, we had to close down this room that I'm in. So I'm in our library. This is where our library tastings start. And for us, the library only had one meaning before. It was our old wines and you could come and taste older wines at Jordan and library tasting. But now we've taken this room and turned it into an actual curated um, library of, of old uh, books and some other French antiques. So I, after the interior designer finished with kind of the color scheme, then I worked on um, researching all the books, finding things that tie to our story. You know, we have a gardening section of vintage books. We have some really cool Luther, Luther Burbank rare books and encyclopedia of the Audubon Society for people that want to look through the birds because of our 1200 acres that we have here. So we really, I wanted to bring all of that in with our library collection um, behind me. There's also a hidden room, a cellar room that's part of this tasting where you you sit down and taste. And so um, I worked with our operations team um, and facilities and, for some of the work that needed to be done of staining and woods and all of that, and what paint color we we're going to pick. But then, you know, finding new tables, the decor, we're a new cellar rack that we had made uh, in, in uh, Pennsylvania to hold all of our bottles. And so that's been uh, exciting. Um, we renovated our courtyard for welcoming guests and re-landscaped all that. I wasn't involved on that. Project and we worked with Ann uh, Rose uh, Ross Marin uh, here in Sonoma County. But then um, last September we started undertaking the renovation of the suites. And so as soon as we kind of got the library finished, we moved on to that. So we hired uh, Maria. I um, sourced and researched and found a designer that John and our operations um, director were happy with, uh, named Maria Hademus of San Francisco. And so I've been kind of supporting her and you know, she'll have a vision for something and I'll agree or not agree. And does this work for the Jordan brand or I'll bring ideas to her. And then I kind of am the, the secret shopper and I, or I if you will, or I'm the one that goes, helps her behind the scenes and goes and finds that perfect armoire from the French period that we want, that we're going to convert into a wet bar. So it's hidden. And when someone opens it up inside is your sink and your your refrigerator and your wine glasses, and so we're, we're doing kind of those some of those fun kind of Easter egg elements with our with our um, antiques in the room. So what I really wanted to do with the sweets is to take John Jordan's mother, who was the co-founder of the winery, Sally Jordan, her uh, love of the Louis the Fifteenth uh, design period, which is more curvy woods and lots of wood carvings. Take all of those pieces that she has. But then bring in the eras that John more gravitates to, which are like Louis the 16th or Louis the 13th, 16th be more neoclassical, more straight lines. And so, um, it's going to be kind of a fun mix of these different French, um, design periods with some, with modern amenities. So that's been exciting. Also, we're doing some refreshing at our Vista Point. That's the highest hilltop on the estate. So I helped pick out new furniture. So we have individual tables. You know, everything used to be communal tables. And we will still have a communal table in our cellar room. But outdoors, we've moved to individual tables. You know, we find that, you know, guests have wanted that. And we don't know you know, how many people want to go back to communal um, dining. And so we have that experience for those who want it. And then for those who are outdoors, we have now individual tables. So we've, I worked on finding some new furniture for the Vista and we're doing little touching up of the bathrooms and our operate or our, um, Ag operations uh, ranch director Brent Young. He's up there today, moving in an olive tree that we transplanted from another part of the ranch, and we're we're doing all kinds of like garden work up there. I'm not I'm not involved on that gardening project because um, I've got still my hands full with my gardening at home and my my design projects there. But the other big project that we've been doing, and I was more I guess I wouldn't say I didn't uh, I was more of the idea person. I'm kind of the the light, the lightning rod that brings the ideas and tries to get everybody around it is um, the pollinator sanctuary program. So we started talking with pollinator partnership. They're a nonprofit uh, based in San Francisco. They're the largest uh, nonprofit for promoting um, pollinators and helping at risk uh, insects. And whether you're trying to get consumers to understand pollinators and help support them or businesses. And so We started talking with them a few years ago. Uh, then once we heard the news of what was happening with the Western monarch butterfly and their populations have been dramatically dwindling, uh, since 1980 and the last few years have been, you know, catastrophic drops in their, their migration numbers in the fall. So I went to John and Brent and with our chef and said, you know, is there, could we do something here? Like, we know these, the people at Pollinator, they have a program. They'll help us like identify the right sites. And we have a 1200 acre ranch here. Like a lot of people, when they, they drink Jordan at a restaurant, you know, they see the chateau and it's a real place. That's where I am uh, right now. But this is the heart of the winery. But in a lot of ways, the soul of Jordan is our estate. It's 1200 acres. It's mostly wild. A thousand of those acres will never be developed. And so we have all these pastures that are natural, but they don't necessarily have the plants that the pollinators need. So we worked with pollinator.org to and the Pollinator Partnership to come up with the right planting. So we did uh, almost, we're at eight acres right now. Uh, We're adding a fifth pollinator sanctuary at the Vista right now. Brent's up there working on that this week. And so we'll have five pollinator sanctuaries on the property and um, it's a three-year program. We're going to add a few more. We're creating habitats for specific pollinators based on the plants. There's two for monarch butterflies. There's one for native bees. There's one for hummingbirds so far. And then I think he might do monarch butterflies again up at the vista um so it's people might say well what does this have to do with making wine and it's like uh, in a lot of ways nothing uh grapevines don't need pollinators uh to flower but we just feel as you know it's our like all humans it's like our duty to leave this planet a better place uh and do our part to do that, for that and so John has this love of the land and he's got so much, he's got a wonderful piece of property. So he's like, let's do it. So he's making the investment. And so um, hopefully we'll inspire other businesses to convert some of their land to help uh, pollinators. Because a lot of people don't realize that native bees are so important to our food sources. And people know about honeybees, of course, and there's been a lot of press you know, 15 years ago about colony collapse disorder and helping honeybees. But the honeybees pollination rate is 5% of what a native bee can do, a mason bee or bumblebee. Um, For every one um, one mason bee does the work of 100 honeybees. So for us, supporting the the native bees is really important in this as well because we all know that there are more humans on this planet and we need to be able to – have those, the food be pollinated. And for us, we grow our own fruits and vegetables. And so we're trying to support the mason bees as much as we can.
1: Well, knowing you, Lisa, as I do, you don't do anything small. And so I should probably point out that Jordan has now got the largest U.S. winery pollinator program in the country. So congratulations. That's really amazing. I'm sure you're pretty proud of that.
0: Yeah, we are. We're, we're very excited to see how it evolves. And, you know, it's it's one of those things where you, you make this investment and it's a long term view. Um, you know, people will want to come and see the pollinator sanctuaries and they'll be able to see them on our hikes. They'll be able to see them on the estate tour. But these are acres of land that have been seeded with crops as well as with certain plants for the pollinators. And then we planted mixed plants in. But, you know, that's $12,000 of work in one year just on materials alone, and they're they're tiny. So it's going to take about two to three years before we really start to see um, the plants and all of the insects uh, coming through. So we hope everyone will be patient with us. We're already getting calls. I want to come... Hike with the butterflies, yes. and it's like,
1: well,
0: a <laughs> It's about three years we're about three years away from that, but um you know we are we are really excited to see how see the results and, and uh, really see a lot of insect more insects and we have tons of biodiversity at this property that's that that's what makes it so special, but you know we're trying to just increase that biodiversity
1: even more. Wonderful. I want to come hike with the Louis the 15th wet bar.
0: Oh, well, I was going to say, how about we hike, and then you can stay overnight in the <laughs> All city.
1: right, all right. I have TV to. <laughs> well, you're making a pretty cool impact on the land, but you're also making a social impact through the John Jordan Foundation. Can you just give me a minute or two on that? What's going on with that?
0: Sure. So in uh, 2012, when John turned 40, you know how everybody kind of goes through a time of you know thinking about when you go with those, those decades in your life, uh, he was like, I've been doing all this um, work with nonprofits, you know, just making donations, but he felt like it was more of writing checks. He said, you know, he just has this belief that all businesses, if you're a successful business, you need to use your success to help those less fortunate. So he created a foundation. Um, there's another, um, there's an executive in charge of that. Her name is also Lisa, um, Lisa Whitkey Schaffner. And basically what they do is um, he takes proceeds from the winery and funnels that into annual programs where they invest in different nonprofits, mostly in Sonoma County, but we are branching out. And what we focus on is early childhood, grade school, high school, um, early adult, like education and health programs, because John feels like if you want people to succeed, like you have to give them the tools early on. So there's a lot of great charities, uh, or pro, I guess I'd say foundations in the wine business or charity programs where they're focusing on trying to get people wine careers or helping with farm worker housing. And those are all great, amazing programs. And we have supported farm worker housing through the foundation, but We feel like, just like at Jordan, we focus on three things. We say we do make one Chardonnay in the Burgundy style, one Cabernet in the Bordeaux style, and then our food-focused hospitality here. And we focus with the foundation as well because we feel like we're going to have a greater impact if we help more vulnerable children and young adults before they get to college and helping them get through college so then they can go on and, and be successful in life. So there's many different programs um, that we do from right now we're working with a, a local nonprofit called TLC to help them build a new um, kitchen and fund a culinary program so that they can uh, and grow their own fruits and vegetables and help teach kids about culinary um, we've built a career center at the, um, say a social advocates for youth here in Sonoma County. Uh, John built a career center there to help kids that are in transitional housing and are homeless, but then they need all those career services. It's like, you can't just provide them with housing. You need to provide them with all these other services, mental health services, career services. And so, um, that's been a big part of what we do as well.
1: Well, you guys are very, very busy. So now we have an impact on the land. We have impact uh, in social services. And now there's also an impact in the winery. I understand you all are shifting to, and let me see if I've got this correct. uh, You're shifting to 100% new oak at Jordan. Oh, sorry. Uh, You're shifting to 100% French oak at Jordan.
0: Yeah, not all new, but yes. So we've had a couple of, um, Evolutions with our winemaking, I'll use the term evolutions rather than changes. So Jordan started out as 50% French oak, 50% American oak with our 1976 vintage, our first, with the idea of we're an homage to France but we're here in Alexander Valley in Sonoma County, so let's go half and half. Um, Also, when we started in 76, Rob Davis, our first uh, winemaker, uh, started as an intern, and he was here until um, the end of the 2019 growing season, which was around the time we released the the, the 2015. So what we found is when John Jordan took over the winery in 2005, um, he went to Rob and he said, Uh, Rob said, well, what do you want to do differently? You know, your dad really wants to go back to being an estate-bottled producer, but I've been working with some great growers nearby. I love the fruit. I think it's making a better wine. And John said, I just want to make the best Jordan possible, as long as it says Cabernet Sauvignon on the label and Alexander Valley. So that means it's got to be 75% Cabernet and 85% Alexander Valley fruit. Um, he's like, I am open. It's just we have to make every vintage better than the last. Like when my mom and dad started, there were only 275 wineries in California. Now there's more than 4,000. The number is always uh, changing. And so there's just more competition. And so we just feel at Jordan, we have to always get better at our style. And uh, so Rob basically went out and started really working, finding more growers to complement our state fruit. And what he found is that there's just this natural tannin. In the natural tannins in Geyserville, and particularly in the hills off of the the mountains there, the Mayacamas Mountains just have a beautiful uh, tannin profile that French oak really supports and elevates, and almost and almost mollifies and softens the tannins. Whereas the American oak was overpowering that, and we needed American oak in the old days because we our vineyards on the valley floor, which we sold in two thousand twelve. Um, did bring a little more of that vegetal uh, character that we we didn't want. So we were hiding that with American oak, still making a beautiful wine. Um, so that's been a, as we continued to refine this fruit sourcing and working with growers, we just found that we didn't, the American oak was just covering up that beautiful, dark fruit. And so 2015 was the first vintage where we went all French oak. John let us make that investment, even though the price of Jordan hasn't gone up. And French oak is much more expensive and we're the, we're the number one buyer in the, we're the number one buyer in the world for the Nadalier family's most expensive barrel that they make um, in Bordeaux. We've been working with them since 1976. So it's, I think you'll find with the, the Jordans, the new Jordans, the 2015 and the 2016 that you had seen the marketplace, you know, it's still the, the Jordan style, very silky tannins, very beautiful forward fruit, nice structure. But there's just that, the thread of even more elegance and subtlety in the tannins because of the French oak.
1: Well, I have to tell you, Lisa, you're making me so thirsty. So I, we're, we're going to head into the uh, my favorite part of the podcast. What's in your glass?
0: All right. So I thought that it would be um, interesting to revisit a, an old vintage. So I brought two 2011s, so uh, 10 years old, the Jordan uh, 2011 uh, Chardonnay. And then the 2011 Cabernet, and I also picked these because the last time we were together in uh, Maryland at your house uh, with Dave McIntyre, lovely dinner with he and uh, his wife Lily and your wife, and um, we even tasted your son's birth year wine. I think that uh, that night it was his birthday. It was birthday yep. right. Then yep. it's like it was just it was just a wonderful evening and so i brought a wine from a challenging vintage because i thought it would be fun to revisit i think I, we brought i brought a 1998 jordan and so we got in this discussion with dave that night about challenging vintages and how they often get poo-pooed by the critics early on and as they age as long as it's a wine made with balance and elegance especially from a producer um, that has experience usually those wines can be absolutely beautiful and um that's a perfect story for 2011. This is and it's the perfect time to revisit it. So 2011 was a very challenging vintage. Um at the time Rob said I had to use all 38 years of as a winemaker uh to make a great wine in this year. Uh that he called it the vintage of long faces. It was extremely cold. We called 2010 a cold climate vintage and, and 11 wasn't much different. It's very cold. And so that's perfect for French style wines because they're not as fruit focused. Um, they still have beautiful fruit, but it's a little more subtle and the acids, the acids are just beautiful. There were some challenges. We had a rain at the beginning of October. So Chardonnay was already, you know, through and I'd say, so I'll talk, start with the Chardonnay. So Chardonnays were picked. It was hard to get the get the, the grapes ripe. Um, but this wine was when it came out, um, how many ever years ago, six years ago, seven years ago, there were so many sommeliers who were putting it in blind tastings for education and like teaching their their um, staff because they would always think it was a uh, French. So it has a beautiful um, acidity to it, um, almost a minerality and just this lovely apple uh, stone fruit, just really bright stone fruit and citrus. And with time, um, now it's getting that what you get in Burgundy when you have an old um, an older wine from I wouldn't say Le Fleuve because Le Fleuve has that match sticky kind of character mm-hmm. in the nose or the reduced if you will but like a, an older Pellidi or it's Chassani-Maltreche where they're starting to get that roundness in the nose but
1: um, it looks beautiful I mean that yeah, is just a gorgeous it's color so in a that wine
0: acidity and um, I will spit because it's early in the day and I, I'm not going to start until a little bit later but- rookie But this wine is still so alive. Oh, look
1: at the smile on your face.
0: the succulence and the juiciness on the finish. And it's like I get still I mean I'm still tasting like a little citrus touch of like lemon curd and a little citrusy. It's just it's amazing how youthful this wine still tastes, even though it does have that golden color as you can. As you can see, and it's the nose that certainly says that it's older, you know, that creaminess. But I say that if you can find this wine out there, I think we have mm, – we might have a little bit left, but you can maybe – And, and now one bottle less. Course. Yeah. There's wine searchers. Well, oh, I corvend this. this. This one, I actually oh. – I coravin this in November or October, and I just – Oh,
1: okay.
0: And it's still
1: amazing. Still going.
0: Yeah. 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 So, it's been a few
1: years since I've had that wine, and uh, it was stunning back then. Um, and I interesting. You're
0: a Jordan, Jordan Chardonnay fan because we. Uh, I we a, of your alumni events.
1: It's probably I, full disclosure. I do actually purchase Jordan wines, so but that's not why you're on the podcast. I have plenty of friends who I, I, I purchase wine from and those that I, I don't. But, you know, just full disclosure, I want people to know that it's, Jordan is one of the wines I actually do collect and follow. So uh, it's been a while, though, since I've had the 11. Now you're making me thirsty and I want to go back to it. Uh, very interesting, though, before we go on to the next wine, that Joel Aiken, who's the former winemaker at Bully of Vineyards, uh, once told me something very interesting. He said, any good winemaker can make wine in a good vintage. But it's a great winemaker that makes a good wine in a challenging vintage, and so hats off uh, to Rob uh, for uh, handling the 2011 so adroitly. So, just Absolutely. thought that was interesting. What's uh, what's the next wine, Lisa?
0: So the next one is the 2011 uh, Jordan Cabernet Sauvignon, and I will uh, say that today, although I didn't mention it, is Russian River. It's 100% Russian River fruit. Um, the Cabernet is Alexander Valley. It does have a touch of Dry Creek uh, mountain cab in it, as well as some mountain cab from um, Hopland and Mendocino, just a little bit for a little cherry kind of uh, acid pop to the wine. Um, but so t- this this one was even more challenging than the Chardonnay because we had a rain come through in early October. And usually, so what Rob Rob likes to say is that Cabernet, um, was born with a raincoat. Um, he got that saying from Andre Taylor his mentor, who, who taught him the ropes here at Jordan, which is the, the consulting winemaker that the Jordan's hired to groom because you mentioned Joel Aiken, um, right. the aha wine of Tom and Sally Jordan was a 1968 bully vineyard, George de la tour. That's what yeah. inspired them to change their mind about California wine. Cause they only drank Bordeaux before that and said, wow, they can make wine this good in, in Napa Valley. Maybe we should try it. And that's how they ended up here in Sonoma County in Alexander Valley making Jordan. And there was only one man that could help them make that wine at the time, mm-hmm. and that was the maker of Do- Beaulieu Vineyard's George Latour, Andre Telechef. So he yep. hired Rob. And then Rob has his mentor, which we'll talk a little bit about with this wine. So, um, so Andre taught Rob that Cabernet is born with a raincoat. It can always take a little bit of rain. They actually like that to dust off the, you know, just – clean them off, get them ready for harvest. You have to watch out for it with Pinot, you know, Burgundy varieties. So we had that rain. It didn't seem too bad. But then a heat wave came through right after and started uh, humidity, and it was just devastating. And so, Rob, I remember the day. It was like, I think it was October 3rd but I still remember when he's like texting me and he's going through the vineyards and he's got his little, he's checking for like mold and making sure nothing's happening on all the grapes. He's like, we have to pick, we have to pick. And it was just like this craziness of getting all the, the grapes off. Um, we don't have as much petite for in this year because we couldn't save the fruit. Um, but it is still a beautiful wine and it has that cool climate um, aspect to it because of, um, how cold it was. And so what that means is there's less of the bright, dark blackberry that you might get in Jordan at the beginning or black cherry, um, or a little bit of the blueberry from the Petit Verdot instead when it came out, you got more of the red fruits, but you also got that dried herb. That's a classic component of, of, um, Cabernet Sauvignon and something you don't always get in California that you get more in France. And so Rob's, um, Associate winemaker Maggie Cruz, she's been with him since two thousand six, and he has mentored her just like Andre mentored him. And I know this one was a tough a vintage for her as well. And it's funny that winemakers tend to once they have a challenging vintage, they don't want to revisit it. And once it's out in the market, <laughs> once it's out of the market and sold, and they had to talk about it, then they're like, okay, I don't want to talk about that for a long time. But we just opened this wine with Maggie um, two weeks ago because Rob retired at the end of the two thousand nineteen growing season, um, and Maggie um, took over for him. She's in her mid-30s. Her dad was a beer brewer at Miller. That's where she got her bug for fermentation was from him, and she moved to Napa when she wasn't even old enough to sign a lease on an apartment and um, start making wine. So she's mid-30s and already the head winemaker at Jordan. Um, Pretty amazing. Very talented woman. And um, we tasted this wine together, and she was like, I... I'm so impressed with how delicious this tastes. It's so good that we decided when we reopen on May 1st that we're going to show the 2011. Like, we want people to taste this wine. It's been a decade. It's been a crazy decade, especially the last year and a half. And so um, let me... I haven't... um, I've only smelled it, so for me, this will be kind of a first. I haven't tasted it in a few years.
1: You are so enthusiastic about just the way that you're smelling the wines and tasting the wines and
0: uh, oh yeah, it's still got the beautiful black cherry, but now that you know as the wine gets older, those like little dried fruits they're all kind of woven in with it, so it's really pretty, and I think that people would think this was this was French if they just put their nose in the glass.
1: I admire. Your restraint in spitting that wine. I don't think I could. Nice,
0: nice spices, too. <laughs> Lovely spice notes, both on the nose. And, yeah, it's just it's just a really pretty, elegant wine. It's coming into its own. You know, Maggie loves, yeah. and Rob, too, always loved tasting wine about 10 years old because I feel like that's the sweet spot where yeah. the tannins are softening, fruit softening. It's all Absolutely. coming together. This wine is seamless, and I think that it will be such an eye-opener for people to try it, to remember this was a vintage that the critics panned, and there's just, this is just a beautiful wine. And um, it's certainly a testament that after a year like 2020, when we reopen, we decide that this is going to be one of the main wines that we we show for everyone is from a difficult year.
1: Well, I can't wait to get there and, and try that wine myself in person with you. Uh, I just, I'm going to throw you for a loop here real quickly. So just, You know, given the book that you read about the X's in my glass, is there any one particular X that uh, this wine reminds you of? (laughs) (laughs) I have to think. Challenging.
0: I I was like, (laughs) oh, well, yeah. I was like, I'm thinking sensory-wise, like moody, whatever. um, Temperamental? No. um, Took
1: a while to (laughs) age. They were all all
0: challenging. Um, Oh.
1: No names, Although of course. Is, yeah.
0: I will say this wine's very smooth. And I would say that the X that I right now I can only think of his real name. So I can't remember what I named him in the book. But he was the one who was the physical therapy student chiropractor guy who kind of swept me off my feet and then threw me for a, a very, very shocking loop that led to the demise of our relationship in Miami.
1: But smooth and uh, and challenging at the same time. Yeah, (laughs) Sorry, Lisa, I didn't mean to throw you for a loop, but I, I love the book. So I just was kind of wondering if there was a particular X in your glass, but I have to tell you, this has just been so wonderful. So great to see you. And I love your enthusiasm. I love everything that you've done at Jordan. Uh, the way that you smile when you taste these wines t- is infectious. Uh, so I hope people will have an opportunity t- to get over to Jordan. Uh, please make sure, I guess by appointment, Lisa, is this? Uh,
0: yes, how we do, how are. Have
1: people I- visit you.
0: Yes. So we're open by appointment. Um, on our website, you can just go to JordanWiner.com, uh, click on visit or click on okay. our events tab. Cause we do also host vineyard hikes seasonally here at the property okay. and those are on events. Otherwise we host, uh, during the summer, we host a lunch that started last summer that was our COVID pivot. It's a al fresco lunch called Paris on the Terrace. We also be reopening our state tour excursion for the first time since 2019. Wow. Uh, as of the pandemic, uh, that will reopen in June, and uh, our library and cellar room will be reopening in May because that's uh, indoor dining is now allowed at fifty percent capacity here. So May one for us is a big day, a big reopening day, and um, guests can learn all about it at JordanWinery.com, and of course follow us on Instagram or Twitter or Facebook at Jordan Winery because we're posting all kinds of cool behind the scenes uh, stuff of what's happening here as we prepare for our reopening.
1: Right. And the Halloween parties and the bottles day and all the wonderful videos that you produce are just fantastic. They really are. They're fun to watch. So Lisa, thank
0: you. I have to say one last thing. We had a video that we made. It was going to be our first music video in two years. And we made it the week before the pandemic was declared and it was supposed to come out on March 17th, 2020. So we're still trying to figure out if we're going to be able to re. Maybe we might, re- we might release it next month. We'll see. So stay tuned. <laughs>
1: okay. Well, yeah, let me know. I think it will be great. Thank you so much for being here on the podcast. Really just a genuine pleasure.
0: Oh, thank you so much for having me. It's great to see you. And I can't wait to see you in Healdsburg, hopefully this summer.
1: Hopefully this summer. Well, that'll do it for this episode of The Vine Guy, a WTOP news podcast. The music you heard was Wishful Thinking by Dan Leibowitz, available in the YouTube audio library. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter and catch my One of the Week shows every Friday on WTOP and WTOP.com. And until the next time, remember, do good, drink well.